Welcome to the latest episode of Random Nonsense. Normally, I try to stay true to the title and talk about things that are fun for me and hopefully others, but still just utter nonsense. But this episode is no nonsense. Tonight marks the five-year anniversary of one of the worst tragedies in Rhode Island history, the Station Nightclub Fire. Now, the Station Nightclub Fire tragedy 10 years later. 11 years since the West Warwick Station Nightclub Fire that killed 100 people and left more than 200 others injured. Today marks 15 years since the Station Nightclub Fire in West Warwick where 100 people were killed and more than 200 others were injured. Today marks the 17th anniversary of one of New England's deadliest fires. It's been 19 years since the tragic Station Nightclub Fire that claimed the lives of 100 people and injured over 200 others. On February 20th, 2003, a massive fire erupted at the Station Nightclub in West Warwick, Rhode Island, just seconds after the band Great White took the stage. Eventually, 100 people died from the events that night, and hundreds of others were physically injured, and some of us were fortunate enough to escape with only mental scars. I was there that night with my friend Ryan, and we were two of the fortunate ones. I've told my story in the past, and that story was shared in print around the country, and it was also read on many radio stations. Ryan and I have talked about the events that night from time to time, but when I think about it, I really don't think I ever heard his full recollection. If I did hear it, it was probably just that night or the weekend following, but those memories have been lost. What I do know is that if I can't remember his story, then there's a damn good chance that no one else has ever heard it. Until now. This February marks the 20th anniversary of the Station Nightclub Fire, and Random Nonsense brings you Ryan's story. On the night of February 20th, I got a call to go to a Great White concert with my buddy Rob, so I decided to skip school. and said, what the heck, why not? We went there, we hung out, we had some few drinks, and then the concert started. Neither Ryan or I had ever been to the club before this night, but Ryan, tell them about what happened when the show started. Uh, all of a sudden, some pyrotechnics go off, the flames start shooting up. Didn't really think much of it. Just figured, ah, a little bit of fire, someone's going to put it out, or maybe it's part of the show, I don't know. And then, quickly, it became pretty obvious that there was more going on than just some pyrotechnics and someone's going to put it out because it became pitch black and smoke and we decided time to turn around and get out of here so after getting out what did you do i got outside ran out to my to rob's car waited for him um remember seeing people run out glass breaking still never really struck me that it was that bad uh and I never really thought about the fact that maybe my buddy Rob may not get out. Never crossed my mind. Probably should have, but it didn't. I just sat there by his car, waiting and waiting. So while Ryan was waiting, I was still stuck in the pile um, in that doorway in all the pictures and videos that you see online when you look. Um, I know once I got out, I had no idea where Ryan was. I started looking around and definitely saw some horrific things. Seeing people jump in the snow, putting their skin in the snow and try to 
put whatever burning sensation they had in their skin out. And here comes Rob. Looking way more frantic than I was. For some reason, it still really never hit me. So we're standing by the car. Rob has no shoes. So people were trying to pull me out of that pile up in the door jam. Um, one person finally got me to budge, but the only way that I could get loose was to kick off my shoes and get my feet loose. And it was a pretty cold night. We ended up putting plastic bags on his feet. Don't remember where we got those from. Maybe from his car. I don't recall. Yeah, they were from my car. It's a good thing I was a plastic bag hoarder back in the day. Then we figured out we had to call our parents. Yeah, by this point, my car was blocked in by all the uh, emergency response vehicles, fire trucks, ambulances. So I called my parents to get a ride home. Uh, I remember Ryan's parents were living actually out of state at that time. But I know he wanted to call his girlfriend and she'll kill me for putting this one on record. But tell me about her reaction. She got pissed because... Uh... Her dad was sick, and he was trying to sleep. No fault of her own. She didn't realize how bad it was or what was really going on, because she was asleep as well. So we get out of the building. I call my parents to get a ride home. I call my girlfriend to let her know what's going on and to turn on the news. Ryan has called his girlfriend, who was pissed off that he woke her up and woke up her sick dad. But again, she didn't know the severity. Um, but what neither Ryan or I remember is if he called his parents from the scene that night. Uh, and it turns out we did, but we don't remember that. So here's the voice of Ryan's dad. At the time, um, we were living in Nashua, New Hampshire. And I, it had to be around 1130 or maybe midnight. Uh, the phone rang. My wife and I were both in bed. Um, uh, as parents, right, you hear the phone ring, you get a little concerned, you jumped out of bed, you answer the phone. Uh, my wife took the phone. Um, it was my son, Ryan, or our son. Uh, after a few minutes, she handed me the phone and had mentioned that he and Rob were at a concert and a fire had broken out. So I took the phone. Uh, I talked to my son. And uh, he told me that there was a, you know, a fire at the, the station nightclub. And I could tell he was pretty, pretty upset. He was very distraught. Um, but I was thinking to myself at the time, okay, it's a fire, but I mean, how bad could it be? I mean, it was 2003. You know, there are very strict building codes, you know, for uh, public venues, uh, fire codes, um, inspections. Um, certifications, licenses, you know, all the safety protocols that exist today that um, didn't exist in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, so, like I said, my, my initial thought was, okay, it was obviously something that was pretty upsetting, but, you know, couldn't, couldn't have been that bad. So I definitely knew right away that things were really bad. Um, just the things I saw, I could just tell, you know, but Ryan, what were your initial thoughts that night? So that whole night, I, it really took me a while to realize what was going on or how serious the situation was, I should say. He and Rob had gotten split up in the fire and were able to meet and get back together out in the parking lot. I know I had never been happier to see Ryan's dumbass face. And I have no idea how long we were separated that night, but it was long enough.
and I, I don't know how long you were in that pile or how long I was standing there waiting for you. I mean, it could have been 15 seconds, could have been 10 minutes. I mean, kind of time kind of froze at that point. It's, I mean, I kind of compacted it all into like a quick snapshot in my head. It didn't seem like a big amount of time that we were there from the time the fire started to the time we got home, which I'm sure is not reality. I'm sure it was a lot longer than what I pictured in my head. I mean, at this point, I can't recall how long it took us from that point. I don't remember how long I waited for you. I mean, I feel like it was seconds, but it probably wasn't. It was probably minutes, one, two, three minutes. I mean, hell, it could have been 10 minutes. I honestly, even at that point, if you'd asked me when we were outside, after it happened, if you'd asked me how long it took for you to get back there, fuck, I couldn't tell you. It was all a blur. Anyway, he, he said, turn on the news. So, um... I did. I turned on the TV that was in the bedroom, and I looked, and sure enough, there was the video. And I'm sitting there watching, and I see the the fire. I see the um, the pyrotechnics go off. I see the the flames start, and uh, soon people realize it wasn't part of the show. You could, you, as the camera um, man was backing out of the the uh, the nightclub himself and filming, you could see the fire starting to spread behind the uh, band and climb up the walls and pretty quickly it spread to the ceiling and uh, you could see people starting to get I think most people are still pretty orderly at that point but you can kind of see the you know look of panic in people's faces Um, so as I'm staring at the TV uh, I suddenly in the crowd I spot you know my own son we headed towards the exit I remember pretty much holding on to the person in front of me and pushing my way with them through the group of people. Can't see anything. Pretty much just hoping the people in front of you are going the same direction and going out the door. And I see him, and, uh, uh, I mean, look, he, he looked pretty calm at the time, but I could see the crowd coming in around him as he got closer to the uh, the alcove where the entrance is. Uh, and at that point, the, the cameraman stepped out of the uh, front door of the building and I lost sight of him, but I could definitely see, you know, the crowd starting to squeeze in around him. And I was thinking to myself, you know, how, you know, horrific that must be, right? To, and how uh, scary that must be. And, and at that point in time, I'm, I, I'm not even sure they knew how bad the fire was because they, the fire was behind them. They're looking forward as they approached the door. But me watching it on TV, I could see how bad it was and how quickly it was accelerating. Uh, through the entire uh, building, and it was um, it was pretty scary. I, I, you know, didn't believe that a fire could spread that quickly. And and I didn't talk to him a lot that night. I mean, right now talking about it is probably the first time I've really thought about it or talked about it in quite a long time. The one thing that was always interesting to me was when I was leaving the club that night. Uh, I thought the whole time that Ryan was behind me. Uh, But clearly he got out well before me, which we never really quite understood how. Um, You know, kind of asking Ryan how he got out. At this point, he doesn't recall. 
but again, his dad does. I think it was over the next several days that Ryan shared more details, told me how he, as he kind of approached the the front alcove, he, he kind of, he fell to the floor and he could tell he was being trampled by people. The, the crowd was, you know, really, you know, starting to crush in and he thought to himself, I, I, I got to push myself back up or, you know, I'm not going to get out. And he said he you know, kind of pulled together all his strength to push himself back up so he was standing and was able to get, you know, to the door. And at that point, you know, he told me he he and, and obviously many others were stuck trying to exit through the door. And he recounted to me um, how he was ultimately able to grab the, the railing. Um, I guess it was a railing near the entrance. And... Um, he grabbed a hold of that and pulled on it when he, he ultimately was able to pull himself out of the door and, and pop out of that, uh, you know, uh, log jam of people that were stuck in that front door. Now I wonder, how would Ryan's dad describe us? Rob and my son Ryan were really good friends and they often attended concerts together. That was a total setup, but an accurate depiction. So Ryan and I always went to concerts together. Everybody knew I loved hair bands. So over the next few days, I had a lot of phone calls. People just calling to see if I was there. People that just assumed I was there, making sure I was okay. Um, how about you, Ryan? I mean, I had people call me and ask me if I was okay, ask me if I was there. You know, something I, I never really told a lot of people, but I'd say in the days and weeks following the fire, I had, I guess what they describe as survivor's guilt. I kind of had this, you know, why me type feeling, you know, why did I get out? I was not hurt. What made me so special that I got out when so many others didn't? Did you feel any of that or have you since? To this day, I never really felt any guilt for being a survivor of that situation. I mean, I knew people personally that didn't make it out of there alive. I mean, so in my head, I said, you know what? You made it out alive at this point now. Time to make the most of your life. You were given this chance, so don't squander it. And that kind of gave me some motivation for the rest of my life. But I never felt guilty. Motivated, not guilty. In the years that followed, there was a lot of lawsuits. A ton of companies were named in these lawsuits. Personally, I never took a dime, didn't want to be a part of it. What about you? I, I never participated in any of the lawsuits. I knew there were people out there that mentally, physically needed that money more than I ever would. He never took any of the victims' funds. He didn't take a single dime. You know, I talked to him. I said, you know, you may have issues years later. You know, you're, you you know, inhaled that smoke. I mean, who knows what it may have done to your lungs. But he said to me, he said, you know, Dad, he says there's people that need that money you know, way more than I do, that got seriously injured. And he says, I don't want to dilute the funds, you know, that are available to them. And I don't want to take any of that money away because they're people who, you know, are going to need it way more than I am. And, uh, you know, he made me very proud when he said that. People who lost their loved ones, they, they needed and deserved any money that was given to them through that lawsuit. I didn't need it. I didn't deserve it. I got out without even a scratch. And my buddy got out pretty much the same, minus his shoes. 
which I think somebody gave him a pair of shoes at one point after hearing about his story, if I remember correctly. It's funny you say that because I totally forgot about that. Um, so yeah, because my story had been circulated and was being you know published and read on radio stations, I had a lot of phone calls from not only friends, but reporters and strangers. One stranger did kindly offer to buy me a new pair of shoes, but I did say, you know, I appreciate the offer, but I just can't do that. Um, if you'd like to do something nice, just donate money to any of the causes that have been set up um, because there are people that need it more than I do. And interestingly enough, um, after all the lawsuits were settled and everything was over and done with, I actually got my shoes back. They were in an evidence locker somewhere. I got a catalog in the mail saying, you've been identified as someone who may have lost some personal belongings. If you see anything that belongs to you um, and you want it back, let us know. So I figured, what the hell? So they are sealed in an evidence bag, tucked away in a box so I don't have to look at them. Uh, but I do have them, and it's, I don't know, interesting piece of my own personal history. And speaking of all the lawsuits being settled, of course, when everything was over and done with, they finally were able to get control of the land and put up a really nice memorial. Um, you know, have you been there at all since that was done? I have not yet ever been back to the, to where that awful night was, where it happened, beyond driving by it for reasons other than to go visit it. I mean, I don't think I need to. I don't feel the need to go back there and look at it. Uh, I've moved on for the most part. And I honestly don't really think about it very often. I keep it in the back of my head. I've come up in conversation here and there, but... You know, we haven't talked about it much. I don't think he likes to talk about it. It's not hard to talk about. I mean, it's sad that these people lost their lives and... You know, those hundred people, um, they didn't die in vain. I certainly hope that enough changes that, it, you know, that type of thing would never happen again. Some people were gravely injured, but I wasn't, thankfully. My buddy wasn't, thankfully. I mean, there's a point where I just time to move on from that situation and make the best of it after that. And, Hopefully nothing like that happens again. This has been a Random Nonsense production. 